Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. Pump up the volume and pirate radio. Before podcasting, there was pirate radio. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Do people still do that? They download movies because actresses are naked in it? I still have people recommend movies to me because actresses are naked in them, and I'm like, but we have the internet now. Yeah, There's absolutely no Google need to watch a full movie. <laughs> yeah, like somebody's uploaded just that scene, so you don't have to watch the whole thing. Listen, some people are into the story leading up to it. I guess. Well, that's bullshit. I I will say I watched Sam Raimi's The Gift just because it had uh, Katie Holmes naked in it. It turns out I really really like that movie, and I've watched it a lot of times since. So maybe that's like a lost art. It's like walking through the video store looking for the box art and just hoping you find a good movie. <laughs> we don't get to do that anymore, right? Yeah, you don't just randomly find a good movie, and it's like, oh, I looked for it for the boobs, but I actually enjoy this. <laughs> I'm just saying, we live in the future. I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I'm watching a movie and I'm like. Huh, I wonder if she's ever been naked in something. And then I'll just Google it, and yep. There yeah, it's not even info. hard. No, I appreciate I the fact that there's like 12 websites that are purely dedicated to answering that question. <laughs> oh, yeah. The thing that frustrates me is you still have to type the girl's name in, and it just doesn't instinctively, your computer isn't matched up to your TV yet, and just automatically searches all the actresses for you so that you can just look over at your other screen when you want to know. Well, I mean... You have Siri. You could just ask Siri. She should probably tell you. <laughs> Does that work? I have no idea. I don't have an iPhone. Yeah, me neither. We have a Google Home. I can check with it. See how that goes. Oh, I got an Alexa. I wonder if you can ask. Hey, Alexa, has so-and-so ever been naked before in a movie? I wonder if she would tell me. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, we're going to have to do it for... Uh, fuck is that movie jesus christ vampire hunter or whatever yeah oh, man it's real i'm gonna be honest guys you know how much i love them bad movies that movie's real it's bad hard. it's a hard one to watch yeah <laughs> I've never seen it's that. not easy it's a slog so, back when like toxic avenger 4 came out lloyd coffin was like touring around cl- going to different cities claiming that he- it was the world premiere in every city <laughs> just to convince people to buy tickets to toxic avenger 4 and when i went to the toronto world premiere of it he uh he pulled he brought out the uh filmmaker for jesus christ vampire hunter on stage and introduced him and like said we should all go see his movie so we all took his word for it because he's lloyd kaufman right and then uh and oh. then we went so then tracked like got all excited about it and then saw it mm-hmm. and we're like oh don't ever oh, trust yeah. Lloyd Kaufman. 
Yeah, I don't know why I did. I cannot through the leg. He's just a likable guy. You want to trust him, right? You must love love Lloyd Kaufman. Do not trust Lloyd Kaufman. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the best. I've learned that lesson. Yeah. Good lord. Well, a movie Lloyd Kaufman did not make is one starring Christian Slater, which we're going to be covering <laughs> for Slater September. Yeah, we could probably. I don't again. think. Has Lloyd Kaufman ever made a movie starring Christian Slater? No. Awesome. Christian so then why Slater's are we talking never... about Lloyd Kaufman during Slater September? It's just the segue. Alright. Um, Doug, do you want to tell us about Pump Up the Volume? Uh, Pump Up the Volume is... Uh, well, plot-wise, since we were, we were talking about plot, it's pretty simple. There's a kid, Christian Slater who is very shy in real life, but runs a pirate radio station out of his parents' basement using equipment that they uh, they bought him so he could try to... It's like a ham radio so he can chat with his friends back home because the internet doesn't exist yet in 1990. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, long and short of it is, as he starts exposing the problems within his high school, the parents are trying to shut him down and acting as though he's the cause of those problems. Um, eventually the FCC is brought in to shut him down there's a big climax where he uh, he doesn't really do much all he does is get people excited by continuing to broadcast his radio show uh, but the end result of that is that the some of the major problems at the school are exposed and the principal who's the cause of them is brought down um, and then there's a big twist ending where everybody else starts up their own pirate radio stations and we find out that this was the uh, superhero origin story of podcasting so <laughs> that's, that's exactly that's it, it um, I mean that's about it plot wise there's a girl who finds out that he is the, uh, the underground DJ and she joins in his cause and helps him out a bit and eventually I was correct in my when we were talking about this movie I don't know if it happened on mic or if it happened off mic and I said does she take off her shirt in solidarity with him because he already has his shirt off I was correct that is what happens in this movie (laughs) so that's reassured that my 1990 memory is in full intact when it comes to girls breasts keeping in mind I was probably 11 the first time I saw this movie so (laughs) poops were a very very big deal to me this is the greatest movie I've ever seen (laughs) can can we all just uh, admit firsthand that when they looked into the future and they saw the potential for self broadcasting that uh, they may have overestimated the, the value and potential of what it would be used for. Uh, yeah. yeah. They, they underestimated how quickly it would just become commercialized. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I think Fair I, enough. I, I posted on Facebook after I got done watching it. I'm just like, so 1990, they're like, well, we can't just have anybody who wants to saying what they feel like over the radio waves. That's just crazy cut to 2019 when everybody on the planet has their own podcast i know <laughs> it's kind of funny because when this movie came out i'm like i'm trying to place it in my brain but i think this is a really kind of far-fetched concept that a teenage kid would be able to figure out how to broadcast even to his local community from home mm-hmm. and things like having the he has a phone line set up but he has it the the 
it's a portable phone and the base of the phone is like in his neighbor's shed so that when they finally trace the phone it they don't they don't still don't find him i'm like that's hilarious to me because now you can download a vpn like that's just a thing <laughs> like like they sell you those in like mainstream television ads and stuff yeah don't want the government looking at your shit buy a vpn yeah <laughs> so this was a first time watch for me what about you okay. guys uh, i've seen this a bunch of times okay yeah, I saw it a few times in the early 90s. I have not seen it in a long time, and I was very nervous returning to it. <laughs> Did you end up siding like, with the parents, or no? I am 100% on Christian Slater's side. <laughs> this this movie is essentially a Gen X rant against the baby boomers who are in the process of fucking up the world. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Baby boomers still suck. And now, nowadays, nowadays everybody, because baby boomers and millennials hate each other so much and are always bad-mouthing each other, everyone forgets that us Gen Xers were the first ones to turn against the baby boomers and point the shit out. <laughs> yeah, we're the hipsters of the, of but the there's, generation. There's so many moments in this where I'm like, yeah, I remember that. Like, the whole, like, when the main plot line comes out that the high school is just kicking out their most troublesome students instead of doing Mm -hmm. anything to help them whatsoever and they're actually like gleefully getting rid of those kids i'm like that totally fucking happened in my high school i guarantee that there was teachers who picked out certain teachers but administrators who picked out certain students and looked for reasons to get rid of them rather than you know helping troubled youth why would why would a school think it's their job to help a troubled youth (laughs) i can know for a fact that was happening and i just it blows my mind that this movie was calling it out around the same time that I was getting ready to start high school. Do you guys do you guys find it interesting that those two plots are almost completely unrelated in this film? Really whatever it boils down to it. So the there's the whole the schools kicking out all of the uh the undesirables in order to keep up their their SAT numbers to make it look like they're the quote unquote best school, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and then you have his uh basic basic rebellion against authority story which i mean that's what this is this is a fuck the man story and really he's not entirely interested in that other actual thing that they're doing he just hates them for being them and gets caught up in it fucking with them I, I agree with you to a certain extent, but I think what the they're tr- the message they're trying to get across is that he's he and all of the other students that are listening to him and participating in this, um, they're all angry for a reason, and it's not because they're just dumb kids. It's because they're being mistreated, and they might not understand exactly what's going on, and they may not might not understand exactly. Um, they, they might not understand why they're so angry, but that doesn't mean they're wrong to be angry. I think that's kind of the message of the film is like, we should, you know, I think it, it kind of comes to a head when that kid commits suicide. And it's like this kid, because he, for people who haven't a chance to watch the movie, he calls into the radio show, says he's going to kill himself, and basically does it not quite on air, but pretty close. And that's one of the tipping points where the authorities start coming down harder on the radio show because they're essentially blaming the show for it. And it's all the kids who understand, like, no, no, no. Like, he... You're not addressing the problem here. 
this is the the classic like this is still what baby boomers are doing to this day you have a mass shooting oh he was probably playing a violent video game then yeah don't address the actual problem just find something to blame it on and turn on that right and that's that's what's happening in this movie and i think it's all the kids understanding like something's fucked up something's not right around here we don't exactly know what but the people who are in charge of fixing it are not doing anything to help us and that's where the frustration comes in and that's why i I think when you're right to say like yeah the two storylines don't necessarily connect i think that they're connected thematically more so than uh from a plot perspective does that make sense Right. Well, I mean, some of it's interesting. Like he through the whole movie, he's talking about how his dad sold out and his dad's part of this corrupt system and all that kind of shit. But really, the second his dad actually becomes aware of what's going on, he shuts it. He shuts it down because he he genuinely wanted to help. Sure. And just like that other teacher genuinely wanted to help. But yeah, okay. But... I, th- I, I think there's this interesting thing that there there is righteous anger and then there is the complete uh, misdirected anger of youth. Yeah, I, I mean, certainly the, his anger is unfocused, but I think it's not right to say that his dad wanted to help. His dad wanted to believe everything was fine and eventually did something when there was physical documentation handed to him by another yeah. adult. No, like, that's, but, his, but that's his, proper skepticism. He believed his, a thing when he had evidence of the thing. But his, but he's sitting there saying, he's telling his kid, you go to the best school in the district. And the kid is saying, it's not that good a school. There are problems there. And it's your job to fix them, Dad. And he's saying, I wonder what's wrong with my son. And I think that's mm-hmm. the frustration that a lot of young people have, is they're saying, like there's problems in this world we need them fixed we don't have the power to fix them and the adults are turning around and saying well what's wrong with you why are you so upset well i just told you things are fucked up and you're not fixing them and that's why i'm upset maybe you should go see a psychiatrist to find out why you're so upset and i think that's the frustration of being a teenager is like no no no. we we can tell something's not right we don't have the ability to fix it please fix it for us and you refuse to fix it and instead you act like we're the problem when really in the world teenagers can't be the problem because they don't have the power to be a problem right they can't cause any I, trouble in the real I, world they can graffiti I, things i was gonna say I don't, I don't know how true that is i don't i don't know if you remember being in high school but uh teenagers are monsters oh i, I i'm not they, saying they're I'm the worst saying... they are literally the worst human beings I don't know if I agree with that. I think that sometimes they're, I think they're very misguided. And I think quite often uh, there's this youthful frustration that comes out and it ends up being uh, put against the wrong people because it's the only people they can have authority over. It's the only thing they can control. Like I said, I I agree with you and I disagree with you. So it's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like there's a little bit of both. I think it's just, yeah, the teenagers are frustrated. Nobody understands them. Nobody helps them. But when people do offer actual help and understanding, they're like, whatever, old man, I don't need your help. Right. And it's just, a, it's just, it's the, the, it's the body chemistry. The, does that happen in this movie, though? Yes. Because mm. what, what did the, what did the parents offer him? They don't offer him, we're going to come to your school and see what's going on. Why are all these kids so upset? They offer him... We'll take yeah, for, you and try. We'll 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 offer. We'll try to help you 
figure out how to be less frustrated by the shitty world you're living in. But it's yeah, not, but it's not times, your fault you're frustrated. Yeah, but that's, that's an important lesson for a child to learn. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to commit suicide like that other kid. I guess. A lot of times, though, they try to talk to him, and he just kind of shrugs, grabs a Pepsi, and goes back to his right. basement. Eh. Right. So. And and earlier, Doug, you said, you know, their reaction is, well, ah, something's wrong with our son. He is going into the basement in the middle of the night and turning on a radio and pretending to masturbate into the weird <laughs> air of space. Like, that is aberrant behavior at the, at the least. It's, it's that is, I would it's, be concerned. It's what we're all doing right now. Calm down. Don't, don't say too much negative shit about it. We're doing it right now. <laughs> You're touching your, your wiener right now while we're oh. talking? No, but I guarantee you if we keep this podcast long enough, you're going to pretend to. I bet you if somebody goes through the archives. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think that's a thing I'm interested in. I would not need a podcast for that because now, like, things like chat roulette exist. You no, but again, he was If you want to just go masturbate in front of random people, you can. Okay, he was not masturbating in front of random people. He was being a basically a shock jock. He was saying things mm-hmm. to get people worked up. It was very clear from the movie that he was not actually doing those things. He was just faking them for the purposes of being rebellious. Indeed. Well, also... I would say maybe it wasn't at the time, but now it's a perfect metaphor for podcasting because the act of podcasting is just masturbation anyway. It's just like, I hey, mean, we watched indeed. a movie. Wait, listen to what I think about that movie. Look, listen to my opinion and how great it is. Yeah, all those other people who do that are ridiculous. <laughs> now, back to my opinions about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> God, I wish podcasting existed when I was in high school so I could have stayed in my basement all the time instead of going outside. <laughs> oh, no. Could you imagine if people people listen to your podcast and you had to go to school the next day? Yeah, that'd be weird. I don't think I would enjoy that. It'd be weird enough if like just people at work as an adult listen to the podcasts that we do. <laughs> well. Uh, so for a first time watch for me, I will say that I enjoyed this movie. I was not in love with it, but I could see that if I saw this when I was like 14 or something, that I yeah. would have been obsessed with this movie and watched it like a billion times. Oh, it's certainly a, a, a movie made for teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like some of the musical choices and stuff, I think, especially if you were a teenager when this came out, would have been fantastic yeah i i think the funny thing is so whenever i was younger and saw this movie my favorite part of the movie is whenever the uh the yale girl kind of finally loses it with the pressure that her parents are putting on them and she puts all her trophies and shit in the microwave and blows the (laughs) microwave up yep (laughs) in which it's a great moment but you know what the funny thing is is the older i get my views on that have shifted because whenever I was younger I was like yeah prissy girl turns into cool punk rock chick I'm down with it punk rock chick and now that I'm older I'm like oh you idiot you should have went to Yale and then turned into a punk rock chick once you were at college that's the appropriate (laughs) time to make that switch (laughs) yes certainly some of the actions taken by the young people in the movie are uh, 
not the best decision in the moment if this were the real world but for, i think everything's turned up they pumped up the volume if you will because it's a movie so i think they're, um, i think they're uh i had to i couldn't find the last episode of podcast but we're done we're done here that's reasonable um but i i think like like that action obviously and none of us would condone putting a bunch of shit in a microwave and blowing it up and then not going to college because your parents are being rude to you that's not a good solution but I do think for the movie purposes it was their way of saying like look even these kids in your high school that think they have it all together and stuff they're they're under all this crazy pressure from outside forces as well their parents don't understand them either and they're just as frustrated as the you know the punk kids who are already out listening to that music and I think that's an important point to make in a movie like this. I agree. Yeah. So after watching it, I think I do stand by my hypothesis that uh, the reason this is so hard to find is all the music rights in this movie. You think so? Doesn't that shit get signed away when they make the movie? Uh, in 1990, they, I don't think they realized streaming rights and Blu-rays and all that other stuff. Okay. Yeah, I think it all depends on because if they if the person whose song it is was smart and demanded like points on the back end or something like that, mm. it makes everything a fucking nightmare. Yeah, and like they got like the Beastie Boys, and apparently the song in it was not like the soundtrack for this was the only place it was released or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Like the the thing he says in the movie is actually true that it was deemed too vulgar to be on their first their first album but then it became that's kind of awesome actually exclusive they wrote a a song about white people smoking crack don't you know (laughs) that back then that was a terribly offensive idea yeah because white people use powdered cocaine not crack cocaine exactly (laughs) it's the 80s god damn it it's that it's that weird double thick racism where they're <laughs> offended by you uh, saying the thing that everybody knows is racist. Yeah. Mm. It's also might as well use this opportunity to remind everyone that the entire drug war was just an attempt by right wingers to get black people and uh, left leaning people to stop voting. But whatever. Yeah. Worked pretty good too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It worked. No doubt about that. Not sure if that makes it right, but I guess that doesn't really matter, does it? Did we mention that the movie ends with him turning a Jeep into a radio transmitter? (laughs) He builds a portable radio station. There's a couple of scenes where he, uh, he, uh, you see him like soldering and stuff. So, and we see him pull some batteries out that we have not seen previously in the movie. We just assume he has these high power batteries just hanging out in his bedroom. The best part of it is the joke of she's like, who did this? And he says, me and Radio Shack. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. And then I thought for a second, I was like, you know what? I bet somebody 10 years younger than me doesn't have a fucking clue what the fuck that joke is. No. (laughs) Like, what's Radio Shack? It's like, it's where you buy a bunch of bullshit. Like... You got electronic doohickeys? You go to Radio Shack and you buy a bunch of bullshit at Radio Shack. Yeah. I don't know what Radio Shack is. Okay, well, there. okay, then there was the store called Circuit City where you could go buy a bunch of shit. 
And they'd be like, I don't, I don't know what that is either. And you'd be like, fuck. You'd be, you'd be like, you know whenever you're looking for an adapter and you can't find a store that sells that fucking adapter? That's because there are no more Radio Shacks. That's, where you <laughs> that's, that that's the problem right there. Yeah. <laughs> you, know that, you know how you're trying to plug two things in together and you don't know how? Radio Shack knew how. You don't know pain until you're going from XLR to quarter inch to 3.5 millimeter back to a split into your audio jack to get something to fucking work. Like, what's an audio jack? The fuck? <laughs> yeah. It's USB now. Fuck. They don't even know those. It's USB. For audio, it's just Bluetooth now most of the time. Gra- it's fine. My grandpa yep. uses fuck. USB. <laughs> uh, my vehicle has it. Oh, good. I was just saying my vehicle still has, like, an auxiliary jack. So instead of, instead of uh, any kind of wireless connection to your phone... Yeah, and when my mind. nieces my nieces get it, it, I like to watch them try to figure out how to sync their phones. I don't tell them for the first couple of minutes that like you just you can't you just plug it in. And I'm sure some of them have phones that you can no longer plug in. To like plug it in, what is this a baby's toy? <laughs> you plug it into your headphone jack, and then they're like standing there with their wireless headphones in their hands, confused. <laughs> All right, it's fine. <laughs> Like three years ago, that wasn't old technology, but I guess it is now. <laughs> uh, Everybody uh, knows. So how do we, how do we feel about Christian Slater in this movie? Do we feel he did a good job? I w- I would say this is whenever somebody says Christian Slater, mm-hmm. this is Christian Slater that I think of. Is Christian Slater in this movie? Yeah, I agree. I think this is where Christian Slater established who Christian Slater would be for the rest of his career. <laughs> this is every other movie we will do is some variation of this character and I actually think he's great in it I think he does a fantastic job of playing like the shy kid when he needs to and I think he does when he starts giving these speeches he's like impassioned and I believe him and I buy in and I can completely understand why a bunch of kids listening to this on the radio would get excited and pay five dollars to the fat kid for a copy of it on tape you know <laughs> all that all it all makes sense to me i when he's making his speech i get it i will say this this movie did make me miss mixtape yeah i saw that kid just handing out cassette tapes i'm like oh man cassette tapes I love- remember, did you guys ever have that problem where you'd have like something on a cassette tape and then you wanted to record something else but you had to make that decision do i get rid of the thing I used to have because we only have limited space <laughs> it's another problem today's youth will never understand took me five months to get the timing right to get this entire tool song <laughs> well they also never understand when you're doing the thing where they finally played a song you like on the radio and you got a recorder up next to the speaker and then your fucking sibling <laughs> comes busted in the room making a bunch of noise of course they do. Like, fuck what the fuck shut up so now every time you listen to that song, you know at a certain part <laughs> that you're just going to hear your, your stupid sibling come in and ruin it. And that you just gotta, you just got to hope, like, well, I guess maybe someday they'll play that song when I'm ready again. If not, i got to listen to the fuck you, fuck you version of it. This is the fun thing about watching movies from 1990s. <laughs> it makes me remember all this stuff. Actually... I had that happen. My friend was recording a copy of, because he had uh, uh, The Fresh Prince, A Nightmare on My yeah. Street. 
and he was recording me a copy of it in his older sister's room when she was in high school. And so we were hanging out in there, and then she came home, and she walked in, she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, it'll just take like a second. And of course, I like zoomed out of the room. So then every time I listened to that song, there was a certain <laughs> section where they're just yelling in it. That's hilarious. <laughs> we always had the problem where the person who was doing the recording wouldn't be able to prevent themselves from singing along to at least some small portion of the song. <laughs> so that'd always be the thing. Like, what How are you doing? I'll tell you what, out of all the things in this movie that I don't like, it's I all I can imagine is getting to listen to this cool uh late night pirate radio station with this guy who's got crazy opinions playing good music and then that fucker keeps singing over all the goddamn songs <laughs> yeah that would kill shut, me yeah you shut the fuck up christian slater and it's it's the other thing is i noticed and i i know it's just uh, they're shrinking down the time for filmmaking purposes but they never play a full song in the entire movie and it makes me feel like on his radio show he never played a full song which I know isn't correct <laughs> I know that they're just you know they're, they're just not playing the full song in order for us to be able to appreciate it for the movie purposes but I'm just like it's so frustrating can you imagine if you were listening to the radio and every song just got cut off halfway through <laughs> uh, that does make me like like 1990 I would have it just would have been amazing if there was like well at 10 o'clock every night you turn your radio on and you just wait and usually i mean he's got his own frequency like he's not covering anything up i don't think no. so it's literally you just sit there and it's just silence and then all of a sudden that song that he plays every time he starts up will come on and you'd be like fuck yes well and that's exactly like what those kids were doing in this movie is sitting around like listening to silence like hoping for it yeah. all without anticipation that's exactly what it would have been like because we you wouldn't have any choice mm-hmm I'm just imagining, like, how great that would feel. Like I said, if I watched this when I was 14, like, this would have been amazing. I would have fit completely into, into everything that's going on in this movie. And I was yep. like, oh, there's, like, this special thing that only teenagers know about, and it starts at 10 o'clock every night. So, in Decatur, back in the, the uh, 80s, there actually was a dude who ran a pirate radio station out of his house. And, uh... It was it was crazy. Basically, it was a, uh, a black guy, and he would just get on the radio and talk crazy conspiracy theories about white people for hours and hours on end. It was it's actually pretty entertaining to listen to. See, that sounds amazing but, too. Yeah, but so this guy he would keep getting uh, arrested for it. But I don't know if you know this, but it's not actually a very big crime like Christian Slater's character would do like a day in jail or something like that and they would confiscate his equipment and he would pay a fine and so this guy they would go they would arrest him they would take his equipment and then people would give him money and he would go to the pawn shop and he would buy new radio equipment <laughs> go back to his house and within That's a week fantastic. he would be back up and running and just over and over and over and over they would have to arrest him Hmm. See, I would have, I would have dummy equipment set up. Like I'll just buy some shitty equipment. Oh, that's, like, yeah, that's genius! And when they come over, you're like, "No, don't take my stuff!" And then they just take it. And then when they leave, you just bring out the real stuff and put it, put it up, and you're just like, "Yeah." 
Uh, I like how you've got a plan. Yeah. <laughs> In case a, you start your own pirate radio station. I, I, I wish, wish there everybody's was, like, no, nobody cares anymore. <laughs> I wish there was recordings of it because I was I was really young when that guy was still doing it, and my uncle showed it to me one time. But it, you know, it's just this guy sitting on the radio going, "Stupid, crispity, crunchy, crackery ass motherfuckers." <laughs> it was just the best. That's fantastic. Man, why do we got to be alive now? Doing this stupid podcast, we could be alive in the nineties. Listen to pirate radios. Right. Yep. But uh, anyway, it's a pretty good movie. I, if you're over the age of thirty. <laughs> you'll probably really enjoy this movie. If you're under the age of 30, I think you'll still enjoy it. You just won't get half of it. I don't understand. Why does it just do it on the internet? Yeah, I, I think the technology stuff is going to be confusing to uh, younger viewers if they try to watch it. But that's life. I'll, it's very I'll... of its era. All I can imagine is somebody in their early 20s watching that and going, oh my god, look at the size of that cell phone. Why is that cell phone so weird? (laughs) That's hilarious. The idea that you had a landline set up in somebody else's shed has always been hilarious to me. (laughs) So good. The, the the part I love is that he's got like the P.O. box and he just goes to it and it's like I mean granted the authorities do find it pretty quick when they decide to clamp down on him but it's hilarious that nobody figures out who he is it's yeah. some of the the flaws in the filmmaking one of the biggest ones is the fact that he pretty much gives away his identity I mean how many kids from that high school have a ham radio in their basement and are from back east and whatever else like and he says where he eats his lunch and stuff like that it's like <laughs> if you're trying to remain anonymous you're not doing a great job takes uh takes one girl from high school who then takes her shirt off in solidarity yeah <laughs> he really got lucky with that one eh? it could have been anyone who found him could have been surrounded he'd just been like the center from the football team some fat guy taking yeah. his shirt off for solidarity and he's like oh just, just put it back on man like, Steve Steve put your shirt back on <laughs> so because uh, anybody would have figured that out if they tried yeah it, it doesn't seem like it'd be a hard mystery to crack so no. and it, I mean if we're being objective there are some problems with the filmmaking and that's probably the most notable one the other one that's really obvious is they did not have that much access to that high school where they shot so a lot of the scenes of him at high school are him in the exact same outfit with the top shirt changes every now and again. <laughs> but he's wearing the same like jeans, uh, white shoes, red t-shirt, and then sometimes he has like a gray shirt over top of that, and sometimes he has a different shirt over top of it. It's kind of funny. You know what I don't miss from the 80s and 90s? All the denim. What the fuck was it with denim? I remember it, too. People wearing those fucking denim coats and shit. Ugh. Oh, dude. Double uh, dude, I, I, li- I live in Canada. There's still a lot of double denim going on up here. Yeah. That's the Canadian tuxedo. Exactly. That's what my dad wore to, our, to me and my wife's wedding. Yeah. The older guy, the older guys wear the jeans with the je- with the denim shirt tucked into the jeans. Yep. And the, the, the young the young cool people wear the uh just the jeans with the jean jacket. <laughs> so 
Just yeah. assume it's all like How I Met Your Mother, where she says like the early '80s didn't hit Canada until like 1993. <laughs> it's not quite like that. We didn't. We don't. I don't remember the big hair. <laughs> all right. So recommend across the board for pump up the volume. Yeah, it is a big recommend. There is one huge flaw we should address in the movie, oh, okay. though. Yeah, and that's the fact that on sitting on top of his like soundboard is a Sergeant Slaughter figure. Yeah, but it's not the original Sergeant Slaughter. It's the Tiger Force re-release of Sergeant Slaughter, which <laughs> okay. did come out and like which would have been a new toy when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. So I just don't believe that this guy was going out and buying new GI Joes at this point in time. I think what they were trying to do was say that he just still had his old toys around, and so it should have been the old Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> so. So I just got to dig in here because that that was some nerd shit on some <laughs> on, on some Noah level <laughs> that I just got to know. Like, is this something that you read in some trivia, or were you watching this and you were able to go, "That's the re-release, of Sergeant Slaughter." You know, that's it's it's the latter of those two because <laughs> that is. That is fan fucking tastic. There were there were three of the most popular Sergeant Slaughters. There's this one which was new at the time. There's one that's a little older where the hat came off, and then there's the original which is the old outfit but the hat stayed on. So, well, folks, I stick by my original statement. Doug Doug has killed the show. This is the last episode of this podcast. But starting next week, we're doing the GI Joe podcast. I've I've done no research on that, so if anybody wants to correct me, they can feel free to. But I'm going off my memory. That's my knowledge of the search and slaughter action figures. Episode one: Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes was like the only GI Joe that lived in Canada for a prolonged period, so he was my favorite for a long time. How do you know favorite. these things? <laughs> How do you know where the GI Joes live? Just that one. I don't know where the rest of them live. Hmm. Tell me something about the weird guy with the parrot. You know the one. I know the one. Yeah, yeah He he came with one of the battleships, right? I never had a shipwreck because I wasn't a battleship guy. Because I didn't have a, any water that I was allowed to play with my GI Joes in. <laughs> It looked like because I I remember this very specifically. There was him. There was a uh, biker looking GI Joe, uh, a Native American looking GI Joe, and uh, one of the guys who drives like the lift truck. And if you put them all together, they look suspiciously like the village people. It never occurred to me to try that. You played GI Joes different than I played GI Joes. <laughs> I would just make them fight and shit. It never occurred to me to do a musical number. <laughs> uh, uh, that's good stuff. I think we all did. Everyone knows. Everyone playing with GI Joes at that age was doing the same thing. You'd twist your G.I. Joe up to the point where they would just about snap in half so you could do a crazy twirly spitty punch with them and hit another G.I. Joe. Yeah. That was it. That that was the sole purpose of G.I. Joe's. Spinny punch move. I disagree on the assertion that it's the sole purpose, but it was a purpose. I can agree on that. All right. Are we we ready to move on, or are we still... 
No, <laughs> we're gonna talk about X Men toys. <laughs> I think we're good. We all, we all recommend public the volume to varying degrees. I think I, I liked it the most, and then Noah, then Brian. <laughs> yeah, mine's only because I didn't see it when I was younger, so I missed out on the yeah. on the fun non nostalgia part of it. <clears throat> all right, so. I went a little outside of the box from our usual fare to pair this movie up with something. So uh, I thought, why? while we're talking about a pirate radio station, why don't we take a look at 2009's Pirate Radio, a.k.a. The Boat That Rocked, uh, which is a movie set in the 60s where the British decide they don't like rock and roll music, but a lot of pirate radio stations have popped up literally by anchoring in giant boats off the coast and just playing rock and roll all the time. And this specific movie focuses on, uh, I don't remember the name of the boat, but just a group of individuals running a uh, rock and roll station out in the middle of the ocean. The hijinks they get into were sort of led into this whole thing by uh, a young kid showing up, being told that Bill Nye is his godfather, and that he got in trouble for doing a bunch of shit, such as smoking and or drugs. And so he's been sent to him for some ungodly reason to straighten him yeah, out. Yeah, that's, that's how you straighten a kid out, by putting him on a pirate radio ship and having him <laughs> learn from all the DJs. It makes no fucking sense. No, that part of it, it doesn't matter. Um, so it's literally just hijinks of them on the boat and then uh, Kenneth Branagh and the British government trying to figure out ways to make make what they're doing illegal so they can shut them down and all the fun stuff that happens in between. So Doug, I know you were, you posted, you were a little apprehensive about this movie on Instagram. So what did you think? Uh, I don't know, man. There's nothing (laughs) wrong with this movie. I still didn't like it. Um, it just like, this whole weird thing, this weird like style of filmmaking, mm-hmm. it's I, and I don't know if it's this director that's specifically known for it or not, um, but I, it just doesn't appeal to me. I, I would say there is something wrong with this film. Okay, it, I mean, because I, 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 my my take on it is like the acting's fine, it's reasonably well shot. There's no real plot. It's basically a, almost a cartoon movie. Um, so right. I, I just feel like, like I'm at a party and it's just not my kind of party so other people seem to be enjoying themselves and I have no problem with that but I, I don't know that I belonged watching this movie yeah there's I, and I, I think the, you, you hit part of it my problem with it is when you say there's no plot I, I would agree with that that there's no plot but there is about 25 tiny plots that last about two minutes and this movie comes off like somebody wrote a TV series and couldn't get the TV series off the ground and they were like well fuck it we'll just cram all that into a movie and so you have you know the thing about the guy getting married and oh she's actually interested in the other guy and oh he's gonna lose his virginity in this episode and oh now the lesbian's gonna meet this girl and oh now (laughs) it's like a sitcom condensed into five minute episodes yeah I can totally see that like like when it, because there's no 
the through plot about the government trying to shut them down and them trying to stay nothing really happens with that we just get clips to Kenneth Branagh doing a Hitler impression every now and again (laughs) and he's just like I hate rock music make them stop having that and then we cut back to them on the boat doing some random shit and virtually nothing happens until the end when they're like we chased the boat and it automatically sank from being chased a little bit like (laughs) there's this weird thing too where so all the people on the boat are kind of exaggerations of of these DJ type people but the bad guys are an exaggeration on a completely different fucking level they're like caricatures yeah to to the point of every line that they say is a joke like we're the government if we don't like it we just make a new law ha 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 you know and the, the guy's name's yeah. twat for fuck's sakes <laughs> the guy's name's twat and i'm like why would they name a character that and then like 20 minutes later the guy's like you look like a twat to me and i'm like oh for fuck's sakes it was for that joke <laughs> like i but I feel like that joke might be funny to like fifty-year-old housewives, and I I don't know because I don't I've never sat and watched this movie with fifty-year-old housewives. But like I know this the guy that directed it. I tried to look up what else he's done, and he also directed like Love Actually, which I know like a certain percentage of the population loves that fucking movie. I've never had any interest in it. I've never seen it. I'm not probably ever gonna see it. And that's that's fine. Like other people can like different things, but I just feel like it's. This type of humor for me, it was just all this really on-the-nose humor that was just like, really? You're going to claim credit as a writer for writing that down? It seems like all you did was make the most obvious joke possible. And uh, I don't know. Not to mention the fact that it's all these like 50-something-year-old men and up, like all trying to act like they're fucking teenagers. And I'm just like, what is going on here? Like, is that... Like when the, well, when the have you ever the, known a radio DJ? Like per, permanent. I, you know uh, what you, you said that, and I'm like, yeah. yeah, you, you said that. I'm like, I did know that one guy once, and holy shit, you're kind of right. <laughs> like, <it's>, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like, yeah, I, but I don't know. Like when that, that whatever the I forget the guy's name, but the the other DJ shows up that's been gone for a while, and he's coming back. And they're like trying to act like he's the coolest guy ever, and I'm like, is anybody? I don't even know if they're trying to say this is how a really cool guy would act, or if they're trying to be funny. I can't figure out what's going on. But I'm like, what is the point to any of this? Like, I just, I don't know. Again, the, just the point was that Philip Seymour Hoffman's character was jealous of him, and that needed to be resolved in another five minute episode that involves that other guy getting married, and then they climb to the top of the thing and jump off, and now they're best friends. Yeah, that whole thing where they climb to the top of the tower thing—they call it a game of chicken, but that's not what chicken is. To see who can climb the highest, like, and then they jump off into the water, and I'm like, everyone's like, "Oh my god, they're gonna die!" And it's like, but they're jumping into water from not that high up. They're not gonna die from that. Nobody would die from that. It might hurt a little. I don't know. So I'm kind of sad. You guys are not fans. And I don't. I, I, I don't with, dislike this movie. It's just not a good movie. Oh. Well, if that makes sense. I agree with everything you're saying. There's not much of a plot, but I don't know. I just love these characters. So just 
little five minute increments of just shenanigans happening doesn't bother me any. Okay. Oh, and it's, I, and it's I, funny I, as hell. Okay. See, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with what either of you are saying. I don't love the characters, and I don't find it funny. So now, if I if I liked the characters and or found it funny, I think I could forgive the lack of plot because it's not like the lack of plot is a a failing of the filmmaking. It's a decision they made to not have much of a plot. So that's fine. Like especially in a comedy movie, you can get away with that sometimes. But mm-hmm. I don't know. About the time where his mom shows up toward the end, I think I was yeah. just about in tears from the moment she gets on that fucking boat because that is ridiculous. Because <laughs> basically the inference, you know, the thing you've been thinking through the whole movie is that maybe she put him on the the boat to spend time with his father, although she makes it pretty clear that that wasn't what she was doing, even though it's also revealed that that is kind of true, that her dad is on the boat. It's really, it almost comes off as she thought her son was a little bit uptight and could use a little hanging out with all these <laughs> pot-smoking, dick-swinging crazy guys to break him loose so that he could go lay some pipe. And that's that's funny to you? Yeah, that that is bit. pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Consid- the fact considering that it seemed like whatever. she fucked everybody on the boat. At some oh point. yeah. My God, when she's when she's leaving and basically, you know, he's he's like, Oh, you had sex with Bob? And she's like, Yeah, when? How old are you? Eighteen and a half? I would say nineteen and a quarter years ago. <laughs> and then she's like, tell your friend I said thank you for the nice evening. <laughs> Come on, you weren't a fan of Thick Kevin? Are you asking me? No. Yeah, I'll take your silences now. No, sorry, I assumed you were asking no, because I already said I'm not a fan of any of the characters. <laughs> there, I, I really, there's nothing about this movie that I can say I liked. Oh. I, like, well, that's a bummer. There's stuff I hated less than other stuff. And I, no, I hated it isn't even the right word. There's, just, I, there's not really anything I liked or disliked. I, the whole time I kept thinking I wish I was just watching something else. Oh, man, it's a great cast. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, yeah. Oh, poor Doug. Doug had a bad week this week. Some of it, I'll tell you, that another thing that's disappointing in this movie is every time there's like the potential for like an actual deep moment for these characters, they just go, no, and just move right past it. I mean, the closest, the closest you get is when you think Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is going to commit suicide at the end and just stay and drown. Yeah, that whole thing was ridiculous. And, and they even take that away from <laughs> Well, how long was he under the water, and then he just comes up and he's just fine? Uh, there was air pockets in the ship. Oh, oh were there? <laughs> so uh, this this movie is based on a true story. Well, do you guys? It's based do you guys on know anything about the true story? It's based on oh. true events. The yeah. actual story is fictionalized, and yeah. Yeah, right. it's tr- it's true well, that there were these ships and stuff, and one of them did sink. Yes, pretty, pretty much you, everything else is. I was gonna I was gonna say, up. do you guys know what the story of that ship sinking is? No, because it's it's real dumb compared the to en- the story. The engine blew up when they tried to run away from the authorities. I watched. <laughs> nope, I assume they, that part was perfectly accurate. They they broke loose of their moorings because the ship it was immobile like they were, 
yeah. so the moorings broke loose. It drifted, and it just fucking went down because it was a rusty ass old piece of shit. And a rescue team showed up and saved the whopping crew of four people that manned that ship. <laughs> the end. That's the entire story. That Brooke sounds Luce about right. Sank. Like that's four people were rescued. The end of story. Because the one thing that is interesting about this movie is they portray it as though somehow running a pirate radio station is going to be this great life, and it's like no, it'd be four guys alone on a ship that can't drive under its own power. <laughs> that sounds more like what it would actually happen. So I'm almost reassured to know that pirate radio life wasn't this fun and exciting. <laughs> You reassured? You were like, oh, man, that looks like fun. I hope it's not, though. Yeah, kind of. Because <laughs> I, I just like to be right about things, and the whole time I was like, this can't be right. So, I'll tell you what, what's-his-face doing his Tom Petty impression, basically, through the whole movie? It's pretty impressive. You're like, he really does look like Tom Petty. Oh, that's when Tom Petty was still alive. Well, I guess, Go sorry, on. sorry, Doug. No, I, like, I don't know. Considering the shit we watch on this podcast, this wasn't that bad. But I just, again, I felt like I was at a party. Everybody else is enjoying themselves, and I'm like, this isn't for me. I'm just gonna grab a beer and I'll go wait in the backyard till everybody else is done having fun. <laughs> uh, no, I got anything else to say? No, not really. Because, like I said, it's it's pretty much it's just a series of funny things happening. And if you can get down with a movie that's just a series of funny things happening, then then watch this movie because it's a series of funny things happening. <laughs> but if you yeah. want if you want anything else out of it, especially if you're coming into it thinking that it's going to be some deep story with super rich characters that evolve over time because you see the likes of Philip Seymour Hoffman in it, you're wrong. Go away. I Not will- movie. There is one thing I, I should point out that is just absolutely wrong in this movie, and it's the treatment of women. Um, okay. I get that these are meant to be sexist characters, but they they literally have a scene in this movie where the guys are planning to have a girl undress in a dark room, expect one guy to come in, and another guy's going to sneak in and have sex with her, which is called rape, if you think about it real hard. And it's like, it's 2009. It's not 1981. That's not cool. Like, that's just not an acceptable scene to have in your movie and play it off as like a lighthearted fun moment, which I assume is what they were trying to do. But it was the sixties. Everybody was high. Nobody knew what they were doing anyway. It was, it was two thousand and nine when they made this movie <laughs> and they had the characters. I mean, the only mildly entertaining part of that movie is that there's, like, this skinny little, like, 21-year-old kid and fat old Nick Frost is there, and they're like, yeah, she'll never notice that we switched out. And the kid's like, but you're a little bit... It's dark, she won't know. Like, that's the only mildly entertaining part of that. But I was cringing during that. I don't think you're supposed to be cringing. I don't think it was intended as a cringeworthy scene. It's just... Well, it doesn't actually happen, if that makes you feel better. Not really, no. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. And 
Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Alright, so did anybody watch anything since last week? Uh, no, you want to go first? Oh, uh, sure. Uh, I started watching season three of The Good Place. Still funny. Still a good show. I think we've talked about it before. Still haven't watched it. Uh, it, then I watched a documentary called uh, How to Survive Prison, or The Survivor's Guide to Prison, I think it is. It's got Danny you Trejo helpful? and a bunch of people in it. It was yeah, just what? one of those random ones I watched, and it was kind of like dumb. <laughs> it, it wasn't bad, but it's one of those things that they kind of like keep blowing stuff up. And even though our prison system is garbage and our legal system is garbage and there's really no real justice in the world anymore, uh, I think that they're still overly negative. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. And that's from my (laughs) bleak output. So, so that, that tells you something about their motivations. I think that they're just, they're so completely biased that I don't think that they admit that there are a few things that work occasionally. Like there are people in prison that aren't innocent, you know. There there are a few. Let's be real, you wouldn't survive prison anyway. No, not at all. You'd be passed around for cigarettes. Oh, I'd be dead. Some somebody'd kill me. First ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree with that. I I talk I talk shit when I'm nervous. And I would be terrified, and I would just say a bunch of dumb shit and get stabbed. That'd be the end of my prison sentence. Your your absolute best case scenario is you somehow get in char- put in charge of movie night and get killed because you make people watch the shit you make us watch. <laughs> Actually, see, that might earn me protection from the guards from torturing the inmates. It's some kind of a new program. Make them watch shitty movies all the time. Just picture you in one of those striped suits in the back room, back of the room, with a shitting grin on your face. So proud of how everyone else is suffering. They're gonna love Robo War. Yeah. So that's that. Do- that documentary is not a very good documentary. So you probably shouldn't waste your time on it. Hmm. Uh, and then I watched the new Dave Chappelle comedy stand-up. Oh, as did it I. It was good. It was good. I mean, he's still same up, up to his same old shit. He tells mm. offensive jokes, and if you've got a sense of humor that can handle somebody saying offensive things about people, then you're fine. <laughs> well, he tells offensive jokes, but I feel like if somebody listens to like two minutes of it and they're like, "Oh, well, this is garbage," and then they shut it off, then they're like, "Yeah, he's... he tells offensive jokes." But if you listen through his the he... whole thing, yeah, he's, he's... he's making a point about something. Right, and he's not being malicious. No, he's basically saying maybe we should laugh at everybody a little bit and move on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I totally get. And and I'm assuming people are going to get real fucking mad about this one because you know the last one came out and people were throwing a fit because he made a couple jokes about trans people and everybody was saying that he was transphobic and all this. And so this one, he comes in fucking swinging. Because <laughs> he's basically like, I pissed them off. So here's a hundred more jokes. <laughs> you know? 
It sounds like it's, he handled it correctly then. Right. Yeah. It yeah. makes the point. Like, it's like, this is a, it's a fucking joke. Like, this is, this is not, like, real. So you need to calm down. Right. Well, and the argument, the argument I've made for people is the people who were getting mad about it don't get mad about the other things he says. And it's like, he just mm-hmm. made 20 jokes about Asian people. You know, another 20 about white people, another 20 about black people. He says the N-word every 10 seconds, and somehow, all of a sudden, he makes one joke about somebody being gay, and that is a line too far. And it's like, fuck you. You know what I mean? (laughs) Fuck you if you think all the other stuff's funny, and then you're offended whenever it touches on your group. If you find it all offensive fine, I'm okay with that, then you can be that person, that's great this comes down to the basic thing when it's comedy subjective, if you like it listen to it, if you don't, just just turn it off Right. Mm. Just, just leave it at that I did like him doing impressions though <laughs> oh my god hmm <laughs> <laughs> The bit, the bit where he's talking about being Chinese is almost. It almost goes too far because even I was like, "Oh," <laughs> I was like, "It's it's funny, it's funny, but it's that's real on the edge there, Dave Chappelle." <laughs> Probably only gets away with it because his wife is Asian, right? And unfortunately, I think that's it. I don't think I watched any movies other than uh, we watched. Yeah. That's it. All right. What about you, Doug? Uh, I got a few things. Um, I watched uh, Dunkirk. Speaking mm-hmm. of uh, British movies that take place on the ocean and don't really have a plot, I watched and, Dunkirk. And bu- I was going to say, and a bunch of random ships save, show up at the end to save everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A extremely well made movie that's really about nothing. I mean, everyone knows what the Dunkirk incident was, I assume. Like, we all remember that I much do, from yeah. high school history. And, yeah, it's the day of that incident. We follow a bunch of different people as they go about their day. Um, so we do sort of get a series of shorter, smaller stories rather than one big story about what's going on. And, uh, yeah, it's really just an excuse to show battle scenes and things, which are extremely well done. It's Christopher Nolan that made it, I believe. And that's that's what you need to know. There doesn't necessarily need to be a lot going on for you to uh, for you to appreciate it. And uh, yeah, that's that. I don't, I don't have a lot to say about it. It's a movie I recommend people watch if you're a fan of like filmmaking and you want to watch how they how it's shot and how they use the sound in it to create an atmosphere and everything but it's not a plot heavy film it's not a character heavy film because there's only a few characters that have more than one or two lines so it, what what made you watch that movie like uh, what, what what was your motivating factor it was on Netflix I just find it I, it's just because of my, my, my movie preferences so I fucking hate movies like this like to the point of I think that they shouldn't be made and I think the people that make them should be fucking ashamed of themselves okay like I hate them that Dunkirk is a fucking 
travesty, right? It's a goddamn awful thing that is one of the worst things that could ever happen to a group of human beings. It's essentially, if they made a movie called The Twin Towers, and it was just about a group of office workers inside of the Twin Towers dying horribly <laughs> in the September 11th attacks... That is the equivalent of what that movie is. But you know, you know the whole story of Dunkirk is a whole bunch of people got saved, right? I know they get saved at the end, but up to the getting saved, Spoiler alert. it's it's not good. <laughs> like, it's not good. It's real bad. Like, and the fact that they were ever there in the first place is a monumental fucking error in judgment like the history of that war is basically how many bad decisions can be made so you don't think there should be any world war ii movies oh i don't i i almost don't think there should ever be war movies of any kind oh okay well that's i think we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on that one there's a fundamental difference between us especially since most war movies are nothing but military glorifying war porn and that's gross I I agree with that point I think that uh, I, I think that if you're going to show war you have to show the negative effects of it as well as any of the heroic sides of it um, I will give Dunkirk that much credit that you do see characters that are experiencing whatever you want to call it shell shock or PTSD I don't know what the words are but uh, you do see elements of that um, you actually have one character who's who's picked up uh, by one of the... He's adrift on his plane, I think, that was shot down, or possibly his boat that was shot down. I can't remember. Um, And he's picked up by one of the boats that's on its way to save soldiers, and he's like, all right, you're going to take me back to England now, right? And they're like, well, yeah, but we're going to just swing by France first and pick up a whole bunch of your friends. And he's like, no, 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 we can't go back there. And watching him, like, just being panicked um, was really effective I thought so I think this movie does address those sorts of things um, it is still a uh, still a war movie so if you just don't believe in war movies I guess then like I said there there are exceptions to the rules there have been movies made that use like war as a backdrop or things like that to tell interesting stories that I'm okay with but in general, movies that are just about a specific battle or a specific war or any of that, they're almost all just garbage. The worst the worst kind of garbage. You're not a fan of Saving Private Ryan? Saving Private Ryan, I almost appreciate it in a way, and only it's because like everybody fucking dies. You know what I mean? It's like we're gonna go save this one guy. What a what a great story. And it's like, yeah, but it's war, so just everybody fucking dies. (laughs) It's a it's a story about a guy's whole family dying and then a whole group of people dying so that he won't die. Which is possibly the most accurate portrayal of war. (laughs) Yeah. To be fair, Ed Burns doesn't die. I said almost everybody. <laughs> that one like incompetent guy that deserves to die, he lives. Well, of course. It's usually how it goes. Yeah, like I, like I said, it just kind of depends. Like, Full Metal Jacket, I'm pretty okay with, but mostly because it's not... Full Metal Jacket isn't about the war. It's just about this one particular group of guys and how they're affected by it all. Well, I think, yeah, I think I'm not really a fan of war movies as much as I'm a fan of 
either action movies or anti-war movies, and both of those can kind of fall under a war movie as a as a genre. I don't think I don't I agree with you that I don't want to see war glorified on film, but sometimes I do like to just watch shit blow up, and other times I do think movies are a good way to point out all the negative impacts that a war has and to you can be celebrating a heroic victory while at the same time pointing out how many people had to suffer for that to happen and the fact that it would have been better if it never did occur I almost see war movies it's almost like you know you hear a story about some guy that bought a bunch of hungry kids some food and it's like great you tell that heroic story but you point out the fact that it'd be better if these kids hungry and didn't need a stranger to buy them food that'd be the better world right and I think war movies are the same way you're like oh look we won this great battle but look at how much these people had to sacrifice over what a piece of land so maybe it's not so great that we won maybe it would be better if there was no battle I think is the message that you try to get across in a, a good war movie if you go back to like the right. you know, the old but 60s I- war movies where it was just you know, rah rah! Look how much stronger we are than the other side. I agree that those are not not great movies. Oh, and those are still being made. The ones that are basically just shit propaganda, like uh, uh, Black Hawk Down, and uh, what's what's the newer one that was fucking about the taking Osama bin Laden and all those. Those are just fucking gross military ball licking propaganda movies. And once again, the people who made them and anybody who made money off of them should be fucking ashamed of themselves. There you go. So what else is there, right. Doug? <laughs> um, I, I actually got out to the theater to see 47 Meters Down Uncaged, mm-hmm. which I know you saw last week, Brian. Yeah. Um, gonna have to disagree with some of the things uh, you said last week. I, I was not a fan. Um, uh, sharks ate people. I was yeah, going to say, did the sharks eat the people? Yes, the sharks ate many a people, and okay, I appreciate yeah. that. I, I didn't, I, I didn't hate the movie because the sharks did in fact eat people. They were, I guess, it's a couple of weeks out now. We can give the minor spoiler. They are like mutant sharks, so I appreciate that. Um, it it makes absolutely no sense at all in the context in the context of the film, but whatever. They go through this whole thing about making the sharks slightly different from other sharks. Yeah, they're blind and uh, albino because they've been stuck yeah. down in these caves forever. Yeah, but supposedly they evolved down there. <laughs> but the caves are only like 500 years old. Sharks. The whole species of sharks evolved in 500 years. Sure. And they still grew to the same size as giant sharks that swim around in the ocean even though they were evolving in a much smaller space. Anyways, mm-hmm. whatever. These are the I can get things you you are not supposed to talk about when watching a movie where sharks eat people in right, caves. Right, and that's why they should have made it a more fast-paced film or had interesting characters or had something else for me to be doing instead of thinking during the movie because when the sharks were eating people, I was like, yeah, that shark just ate somebody. That was cool. But the amount of time that goes on in between that, I'm just like, ugh. I think the biggest problem was this felt like a direct-to-streaming throughout most of it and then I'm like I paid to be in this movie theater I don't know if I should be paying to watch this I feel like this is something I should have come across at Netflix when I couldn't sleep and 
I would just be watching this at one in the morning when I knew I had to get up for work in the morning and just be like, yeah, all right, that's pretty fun. Um, but the thing that bugged me the most about it was the giant tonal shift it took for the last, like, 15 minutes. Which was awesome. Sure. It was probably the most fun part of the movie. <laughs> for, okay, so... I guess spoiler alerts for 47 meters down on cage in case you weren't one of the people who got out to theaters to see it. But at the end, we literally have a character who intentionally dives into shark infested waters, carrying a flare gun to save her friend who has been dragged down by her sister, the sharks, uh, stepsister, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's like, that's the level of ridiculousness we get to. But it's nothing else that goes on in this movie is that crazy until we get to this final scene. <laughs> like it is just it is such a shift. And it's like and then the worst part of it is that they don't embrace it. Because if you're gonna fully embrace going into this full exploitation movie territory, you introduce the bully at the beginning of the movie. At the end of the movie you feed the bully to a shark, right? <laughs> like that would have been the ending to this movie. That's what should have happened is that bully should have had one last comment and then they just toss her off that tourist boat. That was <laughs> one disappointment I expressed as we were watching I was in like, the theater. <laughs> come on. So yeah, but I I just feel like what we got was like this really like B level shark movie. Not even B level, call it a C to D level shark movie throughout most of it. And then at the end, it just became this fucking like, ridiculous exploitation movie. And I'm like, ooh, that shift just really happened quickly and without cause. So it, it kind of irked me. Again, it wasn't terrible. I think if I'd seen it at home and not, you know, had gotten up and driven to a movie theater and paid ticket prices to see it, probably would have enjoyed it more. But hmm. Yeah. I was I was I was really looking forward to that one and I was a little let down. So but uh yeah. I don't know, I do kinda wanna go to Mexico and go on that shark boat that they go on in this movie where it's just the whole bottom of the boat is just a viewing gallery and apparently it's surrounded by great white sharks in Mexico, which I don't <laughs> think is that much of a thing. Certainly not like fifteen feet from shore like it's shown in this movie. But mm. yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I know you were a bigger fan of it than me, which is kind of surprising. Yeah. Cause... Well, I mean, did you go see it by yourself? No, I took the uh, the niece that I no. have been tormenting all summer with horror movies. So. She was legitimately scared during it, which was nice. Hmm. During the like some of the underground scenes where they're trapped in those caves, she was like jumpy, scared, and I was like, "That's pretty fun," but yeah. She's ten. She'll grow out of things like that. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I if people want to watch that one, I'd wait till you get to see it for free. I'm sure it'll be on Netflix or something soon enough. And yeah. uh, the only other thing I watched is the third season of Mindhunter, which I we either already talked or about or are going to talk about later or something. I don't know how the <laughs> editing's going to work. Yeah, for those listening, we went on a big, long, spoiler-filled chat about Mindhunter when we first started recording which i think i'm going to put at the end of the show so listen after our outro and listen to a big discussion about mine hunter as i remember you were a fan yeah yeah um non non-spoiler i was i was a big fan of season two i really liked uh 
Bill's story, his his story. I really liked the main storyline. I thought all of the uh, all of the real known serial killers that they meet were done really well. Especially people are talking about uh, the guy that plays Manson. And there's a mm-hmm. reason people are talking about that guy. He's really good. So yeah. Agreed. Yeah, and you know, more thoughts apparently to come after the outro. So. But yeah, that that was pretty time consuming getting an entire season of a show in <laughs> since last week. So <laughs> I got nothing else to talk about. What about you, Brian? What did you see? Um, well, somebody had mentioned uh, work had mentioned the uh, uh, Olympus Has Fallen series. And I kind of had like one of those like oh I I don't know I kind of kind of want to watch those I guess I just never got around to it so I decided this week was a good time to catch up so I watched uh, Olympus Has Fallen uh, the movie is completely ridiculous but like in a pretty fun way uh, so. So Gerard Butler plays the Secret Service guy that is in charge of the president's. Uh, uh, I don't know what the fuck would you call it. Like he's he's directly protecting the president and his family. Okay. So it shows them like bonding and shit. Like they're him and the president are doing some boxing, sparring, you know, downstairs, and all this whatever nonsense. Um, so the movie opens, there's like an accident that, uh, Gerard Butler has to make a choice between saving the president's wife or saving the president. And he disobeys the president and saves him instead of his wife. So of course he gets booted off the president's, uh, secret service team and gets stuck in treasury, which means he's just sitting at a desk looking at shit. Um, so uh, there's like this elaborate plan which comes to fruition for terrorists to take over the White House and of course it happens because it's a movie so it needs to happen Um, and of course Gerard Butler somehow gets mixed up in it and he quickly becomes the only person that can defeat all these terrorists in the White House after they've killed every other Secret Service agent that even appears in front of them so right. he pretty much fights his entire way through the white house that has been hijacked the president and you know whoever they're down in the bunker locked in and then of course that gets taken over too so now they're being held hostage so yeah, it's Gerard butler as secret service guy fighting an entire army of terrorists through the white house to get to the president to save him right just, just say, just say, just say, Die Hard in the White House. It's I mean, it's, it's it's very much just Die Hard in the White House. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I got exactly what I wanted out of it, which was Die Hard in the White House. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I mean, I, like I said, I got exactly what I wanted, so I can't really be disappointed with it. Um, it's completely just a popcorn movie. Don't go in looking for anything meaningful. Just. How's Gerard Butler going to kill the next guy? And that's basically what it comes down to. Um, <clears throat> so one thing I will call shenanigans on, though. So Gerard Butler, you know, like I said, fights all the way through the White House, saves the president, ends up saving the world, 
because one of the things they're after is this um, they've built this program so that if um, if if we ever launched like a nuke or whatever and it was decided that they didn't want to nuke anybody after they've already launched it there's like this program that acts as like a self-destruct thing so it'll explode before it reaches its target well these terrorists find out that if that they could uh, if they turn it on they can self-destruct every nuke in America that's still like being housed in their missile silos which would obviously destroy the entire country so Gerard Butler stops that so he saves the president saves the essentially the entire world at the very least the entire country guess what his reward was at the end of the movie he gets to work back on the president's detail once again yeah that's sounds about right no he's a civil servant what are they gonna do that's the worst reward ever I would have pulled an Armageddon and be like I don't want to pay taxes ever again in my entire life uh you should pay me like 10 million dollars so i was just kind of like yeah. well that's that's just a shitty reward you get your old job yeah. back congrats you're, you're forgetting something here though the armageddon yeah. guys negotiated before they saved the world he would have been <laughs> negotiating true. after he saved the world so it's true i guess uh so i followed that up with london has fallen um so now there's uh, the Britain, British Prime Minister dies of a heart attack. So all the world leaders show up to you know show up to his funeral, and it turns out that was all a ploy just to get all the world leaders in one spot. And the terrorist group is going to kill all the world leaders. And uh, Gerard Butler and the president, which I should mention, played by Aaron Eckhart, who uh, I'm a big fan of his. So I was excited to see him as the president. Oh, and I didn't mention the Speaker of the House in the last movie was Morgan Freeman. So, um, so of course, it's up to Gerard Butler to keep the president alive as they run through the streets of London that has been put on lockdown because of all these terrorists coming in. Um, this one was not as good, but, I mean, it's just more of the same. Like, Gerard Butler, like, I'm going to fuck some people up, stabbing people and their neck meets a couple times and uh yeah it was alright pretty much ends as you'd expect saves the day president's still alive saves the world at the end and I don't even think he gets any sort of reward in this one oh. so now what do you gotta do it's his job to save the world right so maybe I guess but man could do a little something you know Give him something for the effort. It's a positive performance review at your end. Uh, so I haven't watched the third one yet. That's still in theaters, but I may have to make some time to hit that up at some point. Uh, they're enjoyable. I mean, they're not they're they're not Shakespeare or anything, but I had a good time watching them. So if, if you're looking for some some movies to eat popcorn while watching there's that and then the other thing I went and saw was Ready or Not oh yeah which I'm surprised made it to theaters because it doesn't seem like it should be in theaters (laughs) because it's people hunting people 
And there's another movie called The Hunt that's about that. They got pulled after all the mass shootings. But, I don't know. Um, so, this girl's going to marry into this rich family who owns, like, uh, they're essentially, essentially like the Milton Bradley or Parker Brother dynasties where they own all these board game whatever that's made them like shit tons of money so after they get married she finds out that it's the ritual to play a game at midnight uh the night of the wedding and you know sometimes checkers sometimes it's chess sometimes it's whatever um and the only time it's really a bad thing is if the card that gets picked because it's a random just a random selection of games the only time it's bad is if you if it ends up being hide and seek which of course gets picked this time so she's told to hide throughout the house and then what she doesn't know is the rest of the family's gonna literally hunt her with hunting weapons like a crossbow and uh, guns and an old lady running around with an axe so she uh, quickly finds out the shit's all too real and they feel the the consensus is if they don't catch her then sacrifice her something really bad will happen to the family so the entire rest of the movie is a cat and mouse game uh this movie was a shit ton of fun i l- had a great time watching it absolutely loved it uh, it's very much more of a horror comedy than anything else, so don't uh, oh. don't don't go in expecting like big scares or anything, but lots of uh, lots of hilarity and goriness. They, they don't take they don't take the premise of a killer game of hide and seek very seriously. No, no. And there's literally, that's probably the right decision. Yeah, there's literally a line at some point where the dad's yelling at the family. He's like, "What do you guys think this is a game?" And the son goes. Yeah, hide and seek. That's literally a game. So yeah, it does not take itself seriously at all. That's good. But it's nice and gory. Lots of uh, people getting shot in the face and crazy blood gushing. Uh, somebody gets shot in the hand, and you see the hole like through their hand. It's pretty. That's awesome. cool. Uh, <laughs> to entice everybody, a child say the age of 11 maybe gets full on punched in the face as hard as the other person can (laughs) there was lots of cheering in the theater when it happened so yeah it's a lot of fun (laughs) so yeah if you're just looking for a good time I would definitely recommend Ready or Not I had a great time watching it so definitely recommend does that mean next week I'm going to come on and badmouth it? I don't know. I think so because it seems to be seems to be the way it's going. <laughs> uh, it does look fun. I don't know if I'll get out to see it or not. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Next week, week two of Slater September, um, we're going to have Cuffs, where he plays a uh, somebody who shouldn't be a police officer, but ends up having to become a police officer for whatever reasons uh there's i have not seen this since i was like 10 so i don't 100 percent remember <laughs> i don't I how this ends up concept. working but I, yeah 
<laughs> I bet you it holds up perfectly. Oh, I'm sure it does. I know there's lots of uh, fourth wall breaking, him talking to the camera. You know. Oh, really? Yeah. And then uh, Mila Jovovich plays his girlfriend, which is weird because, you know, he's in his 20s during this movie. And apparently she was 14 when they cast her. You know, oh, just, that's... She's supposed to be playing a little older, but it's still weird. So yeah. we'll see how that works out. Uh, then we're going to follow that up with the Richard Grieco classic, If Looks Could Kill, where he's a high school student who gets mistaken for an international spy. It happens to the best of us. I mean, if I had a nickel for every field trip I took where I got mistaken for a spy... I know. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. I've not seen either one of these in forever. And it could be disappointing. Don't know. We'll find out. Good times. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, could be a fun week next week. Or it could not be because we're really setting ourselves up. <laughs> I'm not sure if uh, if Looks Good Kill ever had a good reputation. I seem to recall like Saturday Night Live making fun of it. I believe the line was, uh, "If Looks Could Kill, I'd give Greco a mirror." I think that was the line. Ouch. There's there's a more important question. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see the trailer for The Mandalorian? Oh yeah. Yes, I did. Oh my god, I was not. I, I knew D- Disney was gonna like come hard, saying how that's their flagship for their streaming service. But holy balls, I wasn't expecting that. No, uh, it looks fantastic. Um, it looks like it's an adult program too, which is really reassuring to me. Yeah, because I, you know, you get worried that they're gonna. Ever since Disney started buying up everything from our childhoods, you're worried that they're gonna just kidify it and it, it certainly doesn't look like they're going that way was, yeah, the, the shot where he like shoots the guy with the little, the little grappling line or whatever and then shoots the, the, the door control so the door like closes on him I know Makes I sense. want to know if that door cuts him in half or not right yeah, I, was, I, I was watching it I was like oh that looks good I like that I like that I like that and then at the end it was like Werner Herzog <laughs> <laughs> what in the fuck? See, I knew he was going to be in it, so that wasn't a big surprise to me. <clears throat> See, I don't think I'd ever heard that, and for some reason in my brain, if you said Disney movie or Disney show plus Werner Herzog, my brain goes, no. <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. Like he's so he's always so bleak. Disney wouldn't be that bleak. Then they opened with all the stormtrooper helmets on spikes, and I was like, "Oh, like Ooh, bleak." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd be excited. Those shots of those stormtrooper helmets, like right away, I could have stopped it there, and I'm just like, "Yeah, we're done." I'm, I'm now excited for this show. <laughs> yeah, the so. biggest thing is, I just wish I I wish I knew more about that char- the main character and who he is in the. Uh, well, I believe that the whole hook of the show is to get you to watch it to learn all that. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, usually by this point, you know some kind of tie-in to the canon of 
how how this person fits into the puzzle. I don't think I think the plan is for them. It's a standalone thing, right? So he won't. It's set in the universe, but he's not going to tie directly into the primary storylines, which is I mean, the right thing to do. If if he is a Mandalorian, it's going to be real hard for it not to. Eh. I don't know. It's not Mandalorian. He's the Mandalorian. It's totally yeah. different. Because we still don't know where when it's set either. Yes, we do. Oh, we do? Yeah, it's set post uh, Return of the Jedi pre Force Awakens. So It's supposed to be, be kind of in the government-less era that happens after the Empire Falls. Oh. Well, I figured Dis- it was Disney after... released a handy-dandy chart to show oh, you where. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I, I figured was it say... had to be after Jedi because they show more people frozen in carbonite, which is awesome. Yeah. And I thought that they just came up with that on the spot in Jedi, didn't they? They did. Yeah. But I so. like the idea that they've... Uh, the idea that it, t- it worked. So they're just like, yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Because I wonder if it'll like, tie in with Boba Fett and them. Since Fett's got Mandalorian armor. Yeah, I don't know how that works, or if they're just. I think this probably all started with them just liking the armor, and they decided to run with it from there. That wrote, that, that uh, armor is pretty badass, so. It looks great. I, when the first picture of him came out with, like, the the armor, and then, like, that. But it essentially looks like a shotgun that a cowboy would be carrying. But in the future, mm-hmm. you're just like, "That's awesome!" I, uh, I was hooked on the idea of a Star Wars Western right away. And mm-hmm. It looks yeah. like they're just leaning into it. Yeah, just the idea of doing more stuff with bounty hunters, I think, is awesome. Yeah, and then you throw in yeah the Mandalorian armor, and then yeah the more the the Western feel. Like I agree, I think that's it's going to be printing money. So yeah. I'm already, like, looking forward to the streaming app that I was, like, debating. Like, I don't know if I'd ever get a Disney streaming app, and now I'm like, how soon can I get that? <laughs> and I'm, like, looking into the deals where if I pay three years in advance, I get a discount. Yeah. My my first plan whenever I get it is I'm going to go back through the entire Marvel movie catalog, probably one movie a week for a while. <laughs> That's what I want to do, too. I want to do that. Right. Um, I just don't know if I'll stick to it for like 22 weeks. <laughs> the funny thing is, is the 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 biggest bumps in the road are right at the beginning because I'm gonna hit like Thor: Dark World and be like, eh. <laughs> I don't know if I want to watch Thor: Dark World again. Yeah. Well, now the, the, question... the Iron Man sequels are problematic too. The question is, what order are you gonna watch them in? You're gonna watch them in chronological order of how they they happen in time within the universe or release order like what are you going to do I I am a firm believer in release order is the correct order to watch things I agree because no matter what anyone will try to tell you there will be information in a film that you wouldn't make sense unless you've seen the previous film even if it's a prequel film yeah, but I feel like yeah. if you if you've already seen it, you can like change it up a little bit and just yeah see how it goes. Plus, it's only like two or three movies that are really out of order, more than anything else. Well, yeah, and you could just screw up and watch them out of order by mistake too. Well, because at first I was like, 
I'll just watch them in groupings. Like, I'll go through all Captain America, all Iron Man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then I was like, yeah, but that's not going to work because the Avengers movies are going to, it's going to make it all wonky. So I'm going to watch them all. Civil War. That'll fuck you up. Right. Yeah. No, it's, I, I don't think you can, I don't even necessarily think that they should be called like Iron Man movies. They should be called like Avengers colon Iron Man almost because they do still tie into everything. And I think it's especially the Captain America films, which are probably the best ones. They really tie into the rest of the universe. Had they had they announced She Hulk and Moon Knight and stuff before we talked last time? Oh, I don't no. think we've talked about She Hulk yet. So. No. Or Moon Knight. She Hulk, I've got some pretty strong opinions of. We'll see. If they go if they go with the old version of She Hulk, which is kind of like the lawyer. Uh, smart character who just happens to be a Hulk mm-hmm. type thing, I will really enjoy that. If they go with the newer version of She-Hulk from the comic books where she's basically just Lady Hulk, fuck that. Like, it's dumb. It's fucking stupid. I I anticipate a lot of courtroom drama in the She-Hulk series, so I think you'll be alright. Yeah, that's what I want. It's essentially Alec McBeal beats the Hulk, I think is what they're leaning towards. I'll tell you what, I was really excited about, I really, I would prefer a Moon Knight movie, but I'll, I'll take a Moon Knight series until one of the rumor mills says one of the people they're talking to is fucking Andrew Garfield to be fucking Mark Spector. I was like, mm, no, 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 no. See, I heard somebody else, but I don't remember who it was. So my comment does nothing for this conversation. I haven't heard either of those rumors. So. I I almost wish they would uh, change his race because I I think Moon Knight uh, doesn't the the character doesn't require the character to be a white guy, mm-hmm. and in a way it would actually make more sense for the character to be Middle Eastern. If that makes sense, I. I'm not familiar with Moon Knight, so I can't really comment. He he may or may not get his powers from the uh, Egyptian god of the moon. Oh. There's question. There's in, over the years in the comic books, depending on the interpretation, there's a lot of uh, weird gray area as to whether or not Moon Knight actually has powers. All right, I assume the show will address that. Cause... Yeah. In certain in certain versions, there's some question to his sanity, and there's the potential that like these incredible feats of strength and stuff he's doing is not because of superpowers, but in fact because of mental illness. <laughs> that you know he just commits, so he does the things that a normal person won't do. You know, like diving through the windshield of a car yeah. and just going rigid and. <laughs> I like that. You've been the thing. So this article I'm reading has three different casting rumors, which one of them is Andrew Garfield. Another one is Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which I think is weird. And then he's, uh, too, he's too stiff. Well, speaking of stiff, another one is uh, Keanu Reeves. Oh, man. I'll, I'll be honest. 
Keanu Reeves has kind of won back my love with John Wick. <laughs> so I think I think if they said John Wick as Mark Spector, I'd be pretty fucking happy about it. Yeah. The thing is, the, all... the internet loves Keanu Reeves right now, and they just he's in every rumor. <laughs> like, I'll tell you what the bad thing is, though. As much as he's won back my love with uh, John Wick, he might lose that love with fucking Matrix Four. Who's the stupid motherfucker who thinks that that's a good idea? Doesn't matter because Bill and Ted Three will cause him to win your love back once again. So it's not an issue. You're right. Return of the love. <laughs> it's a, it's a Keanu Reeves love roller coaster. <laughs> Which uh, they've wrapped filming on Bill and Ted. So, yep. <sighs> Never thought the day would come. It's so weird. If you'd told me, like, the, the day after I saw The Matrix for the first time, that I'd be more excited for a Bill and Ted sequel than a Matrix sequel, I'd be like, <laughs> Odie called you crazy, but now here we are. It's like, <laughs> I, I don't know how it happened. I guess just because The Matrix had sequels and they weren't good. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, those fell off. Yeah. They may, is- they may be the worst second and third in a trilogy of all trilogies. Uh, I saw the last two, two of the two of the however many Twilight movies there are in theaters, and so I cannot get behind your thing. Well, here's yeah. the thing, though. So Twilight garbage from the beginning. So all sequels of garbage are equally garbage. Okay, I I would argue that is at <laughs> least consistency. Matrix first movie, amazing groundbreaking movie. Second movie god-awful movie, third movie, what-in-the-fuck movie. The worst thing about a Matrix 4 is I might have to rewatch those in order to get caught up. <laughs> I refuse. I'll apparently, rewatch the first one. Apparently Lawrence Fishburne is the only smart one. He he turned down their offer to come back for it. It's a good plan. Although he came back to do a fucking car commercial, so he can shut the fuck up. <laughs> car commercial? Yeah. You don't remember that? Oh, no, yeah, I do. He came back to do that fucking Super Bowl commercial like 10 years after the fact for some weird reason. Yeah, well, now he doesn't need to because he got all that money from that Super Bowl commercial. Right. All right. Plus, uh, plus his daughter's in porn, so that dude's got stuff to worry about. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Um, so I'm going to say a bold statement. Does anybody think uh, the Wachowskis are a little overrated? Uh, I think that pretty much everything good that they've ever done, they stole. Alright. So, I mean, as long as they're stealing good stuff, I'm good. Like, nothing wrong with being unoriginal. Yeah, I just, I think, like, the original Matrix, obviously, is amazing. I'm trying to think if they've done anything else. What else have they done? Well, they did Speed Racer... They did uh, Jupiter Ascending. Um, Jupiter Ascending was a really pretty movie. It just wasn't well put together. And then what's the what's the Tom Hanks one where he plays the Asian guy? Do, do what? Oh, Cloud Atlas. They did Cloud Atlas. As well. Oh, okay. He plays well, an Asian a... guy at some point. Okay, well, yeah, Cloud Atlas is pretty good. I literally haven't seen any of the movies you guys just mentioned, so <laughs> I, think, I guess I'm not qualified to comment on the Wachowskis. My problem is, though, I don't think Cloud Atlas is a good movie because it's a extremely well-put-together movie. I think that it's just got 
a fucking ridiculously good cast all throwing in these great fucking performances. So that movie could be a pile of shit and still look real good. Yeah. I don't know. I've just never been sold on pretty much anything after the first Matrix movie. I didn't see their Netflix series. Uh, it just seems like if you say their name, everybody's like, oh, the Wachowskis. And I'm just like, me. I do feel like they've definitely been riding that, uh, riding that Matrix train for a long time. They keep getting budgets because of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at how long they kept giving Yui Bull money. But weirdly, his they give him just enough money so that his movies would actually be profitable overseas. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm just Wachowski, saying. Wachowski's, kept- I'm sure, still make money on their movies. I just... That's what I'm saying. I'm sure. I'm sure they they have to make more money than Yui Bowl makes. Yeah, I don't know. Don't know. Well, before we wrap up, did you two want to slobber over the Joker trailer? <laughs> I'm not exactly slobbering over it. I just think it looks really good. That it looks like a really really good movie. I'm still not sure if it's a good Joker movie, mm-hmm. but it's it's going to be a good movie. And I think that last trailer that came out, it looks a whole lot more like the Joker than a sad guy pretending to be the Joker. I don't know. I just, I just think it looks good. I think that I'm already kind of impressed by the performances from De Niro and Phoenix, um, which is really important, it seems like, in that movie. So I'm very much looking forward to it. I don't... When people say, like, oh, it doesn't look like a good Joker movie, I kind of go, like, isn't the whole point of the Joker? We don't know his backstory, so anything could be a Joker movie in theory. Uh, I mean, more more befitting of the character, if that makes sense. It's kind of the same problem I had with Jared Leto's Joker. It's Jared Leto is a good actor. That was just a stupid fucking version of the character, and I just don't mm. want this to be a stupid fucking version of the character, which I don't think it is going to be. I, d- I also don't think it's going to be very similar to anything we've seen in the comic books, and that's not necessarily bad either, but... There have been lots we'll of see. versions... Of, lot, again, there's been lots of versions of the Joker that have been done well, even though they're completely different from each other. So right. I, I don't think there is a character of the Joker. There's been a bunch of different versions of that that have existed, and you know, everyone has their own favorite, I guess, but this can just be another one, as far as I'm concerned. I think the whole thing is, I, I think people like me, we just keep hoping that we're going to see the comic book version of the Joker translated to screen, and I think we've got close to that once, and that's a weird one, so... Yeah, I'm just, I don't know, I'm still on this Venom train, too, where I don't understand how you have a Joker movie without Batman, just as how you have a Venom movie without Spider-Man. I, in one of the trailers, there's a reference to the Waynes, and I'm not 100% convinced that they're telling us the truth. Mm. I'm not saying Batman's in the movie, but I'm saying Batman's in the world, I bet. That's what I think. I think if, yeah, maybe there'll be a a kid Bruce Wayne in it or something like that that's going to be Batman. Or just just side references so we know Batman's coming. Mm. But again, like I don't think having Batman in the movie is essential to the Joker character if it's an origin story, which it appears to be. Yeah, but it kind of is. 
Once again, if you go by the comic books, by the comic books, the only reason the Joker is the Joker is because Batman exists. Not not necessarily in a cause and effect kind of way that like, you know, not the Jack Nicholson Batman actually literally created the Joker, but in a way of the only interest the Joker has in the world is causing havoc just to fucking put Batman's hackles up, basically. Yeah, but I could see that if he has an origin coming up and then develops that motivation later on. There has to be a reason why he's so interested in creating unnecessary chaos, right? Possibly. Like I said, I'll have to see it. It's hard to make a judgment on this one without having seen the movie. Mm -hmm. We'll see. It's coming soon, so we'll be able to discuss it. I'm just saying, once again, imagine if 10 years ago somebody told you that there was going to be a fucking Joker movie starring Joaquin Phoenix and Robert De Niro shot in a Scorsese style. (laughs) Everybody would be like, what? You're lying. It's just going to be another weird movie with bat nipples. (laughs) Fucking bat nipples. Why'd you have to bring up bat nipples? He's just trying to get us all upset before we end the show. He wants us to go to bed unhappy. I don't know how anybody can ever talk about any Batman franchise and it not revert back to Batman. Really? Because I talk about Batman a lot and I rarely bring up Batnipples. It can't have been that in-depth of a conversation then. Gotta really really dig deep on these issues. Like Batnipples and ice puns. The two greatest things in all of all of Batman history. Oh, now you can shut your whore mouth. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.